We're going to watch it one more time. This is one of those times, Bengals fans, where I like to give some of the people who tune in live on the video or after the fact, they like, they like to watch the video portion of, of our podcast instead of the audio. And I like to give them a little extra. So hopefully if you are an audio downloader of, of the orange and black insider Bengals podcast and the Cincy jungle podcast channel, hopefully you will also check out the video because a little, some, little treat for you. And if you, if not go check out the Bengals Twitter handle, uh, you can find all kinds of fun stuff from the game tonight. That was Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy who, at the beginning of the game, before kickoff, did his usual ritual of dancing on the opposing team's logo. And not too long afterward, he paid. Paid the price in a big way. Von Bell absolutely depleted him. Both of his feet were <laughs> left the ground. And uh, I don't mean to laugh because he really could have really could have been injured on that. But uh, you got you got to kind of like, hey, the Bengals are usually on the receiving end of that sort of thing when yeah, it comes to the Cincinnati, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're usually on the receiving end of a hit like that. And it was good to see that. How's everybody doing? I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. Great to have all of you with us on the Cincy Jungle postgame show. Bengals defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-17, their first win against the Steelers since 2015. The Bengals have not beaten the Steelers since then. And, of course, in the in that entire, uh, I guess, losing streak or track record or whatever you want to call that, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they, they had that, that wild card loss in 2015 that infamous wild card loss and now uh the Bengals get a little bit of a sweet some sweet revenge this this week as uh you know they they really played some inspired football tonight that's really all you can kind of say the defense played very well Ryan Finley made plays when he absolutely had to you may what well, we're going to go over the stats in a little bit and you're probably going to laugh a little bit as to what Ryan Finley's stat line was <laughs> on this game, it was pretty uh, pretty comical, but made a couple of very nice plays, both with his arm and his legs. Took a couple of hits and just kind of kept going throughout the game. I think, you know, in the back of his mind, Ryan Finley knew that the Cincinnati Bengals were in a really bad way as it goes to the quarterback position. And they, he kind of knew, like, if I'm going to go out of this game, I don't, I don't know who who else the Bengals really have. They called up Kevin Hogan, a guy who hasn't played a down of meaningful football in a really long time in the NFL, and uh, so now, you know, Ryan Finley came in, played pretty well, and did a couple of nice things for the team. The Bengals ran the ball well. They created turnovers, something they have not done throughout most of 2020, and uh, really everything that went that could have gone right for the Cincinnati Bengals really went right this week. And really weird week for the NFL. 
you know, uh, two of the worst teams in terms of record, the, the New York Jets got an upset win on the road against the Los Angeles Rams, then the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. They upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, gosh, they were, you know, almost two touchdown underdogs in this game, and they came to play. And from minute one, you could see the energy level was up. You could see the – I mean, they, they just were really executing on plays tonight. That was really kind of the bottom line. They were executing on certain plays, and that really says something. I guess I guess you could point to Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Lou Rumo because of the personnel losses due to COVID, due to injuries, all that kind of stuff. You can point to all of those things and say, you know, with all the personnel losses, those guys, they came up with a game plan that worked tonight. They really came up with a game plan that worked tonight, and guys responded. And I don't know what this win means for Zach Taylor, for Lou Anarumo, for Brian Callahan. I don't know what it means, but I do know that if the opposite would have happened and the Bengals were the ones that were turning the ball over at will, they were not running the ball well, they were just playing sloppy football as the Pittsburgh Steelers were, I think we would be sitting here saying, you know, this this was probably one of Zach Taylor's last games as Cincinnati Bengals head coach, but not the case. This team, you know, I, I, I know I've – complained a lot, especially in recent weeks in terms of what the performances they've put forth in terms of maybe even effort level. But I mean, if you look at the Giants game, kept it kind of close. And again, that was the game after Joe Burrow went down. Um, I mean, this week, obviously the, the effort level is still, is still there. Um, and I guess, I guess you could say that that speaks a little bit to the coaching staff, speaks a little bit to Zach Taylor. I mean, there are still a lot of issues on this team. There are still a lot of question marks around the coaching staff, but I think you can kind of say, well, I mean, they're not, they're not quitting. They're not quitting. And, uh, you know, Tommy Pennington here says third string quarterback. That's exactly who won this game. Uh, that's exactly who was in there when the Bengals won this game. I should say their third string quarterback. And, um, I think a lot of us were sitting here saying this was going to be a bloodbath for the Bengals against the Pittsburgh Steelers based on the record, based on the Pittsburgh Steelers potentially playing pissed off. I mean, for lack of better words, they're coming off of two straight losses. Coming into this one, they were 11-0, and now all of a sudden they've got all kinds of doubts around them coming into this week, and now even more doubts about their viability as a playoff team going forward. I saw that a stat – Towards the end here, uh, on Sports Center, uh, their little post-game Sports Center episode, I think Big Ben was one of twelve or one of fourteen, something of that nature, on deep passes, which is one of his worst statistical outputs on that front. The Pittsburgh Steelers, uncharacteristically, were really, really poor on the offensive line. Alejandro Villanueva, a guy who's been a very good player for a while got absolutely taken to task by Carl Lawson tonight. Carl Lawson was outstanding tonight, absolutely outstanding, and just whipped Villanueva off the line. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know they didn't have James Conner, and I know they don't have their star, star running backs that they've had in years past necessarily, but they are always a team that knows how to run the football, and they were not effective on that front for the most part. Now, I think – I mean, there was a couple of, you know, burst runs that they put forth, but 
really didn't make a big, big difference in the game just because of the turnovers and every all the other mistakes they had. Big Ben didn't look the same, and, uh, you know, it just – it, it it's just something that they're going to need to work out as the postseason comes. I'm looking at a, a comment here by Lamar Ziegler. Uh, Effort doesn't necessarily mean credit to coaches. Players need to put good tape out there for other opportunities. Okay. Uh, I mean, sure. But I do think that there is a sense of pride it's not just I don't I, I would like to think that the Cincinnati Bengals don't employ simply paycheck players. I'd like to think there are a lot of guys who play for pride. And I think that there are some players like a Carl Lawson, like a William Jackson, who have been here for a number of years and know what this rivalry means, even though it's been very lopsided in terms of a rivalry. I think that players like that know what this rivalry means when it comes to the Steelers and the Bengals. And they know the history that's there. Now, a lot of these guys that are on this team aren't players that were there for 2015 and weren't there, obviously, for, you know, 2005 and whatnot. But they know the history. They know the history. So, I mean, yeah, there are guys that are, hey, you know, this is maybe a big audition for me on on a national primetime stage. Guys like Lawson, William Jackson that are looking for another free agent contract – um, you know, I think I think that that is something that, you know, that, that's probably in the back of their minds. But at the same time, I mean, I, I do think that there is a sense of pride here for, for a lot of these guys. I do think that that is something that plays into that. So uh, going to going to be here for a few more minutes. I'm Anthony Casenza with CincyJungle.com. I apologize. I'm looking at um, some of the comments that a lot of people are uh, – are putting forth here some good ones some some funny ones it's good to have all of you with us and talking about a Cincinnati Bengals win especially one against the Pittsburgh Steelers guys we got to celebrate we got to celebrate this is a big this is a big deal and look I know a lot of people there there are some cynical people out there that are saying you know of course this means now that Zach Taylor's going to stay and oh we're going to ruin our draft position you know what just enjoy the win just enjoy the win can you the Bengals can afford to win a game over these next what would have been their their last three, they can win one more game, still have high draft positioning. And you know what? They did the tank thing last year. Do we really need to really, really push that this year? I mean, I know I, we all want that top pick to, to be an offensive tackle, largely Panay Sewell. There's a nice – there's a funny sign in, in Paul Brown Stadium that they focused on, by the way, in the telecast. I don't know if you saw it. It's like Panay for your thoughts. I thought that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, look, I mean – I know we all want them to have the the high pick and get the offensive lineman and don't screw up draft positioning. I know that's all important, I guess, if you're, if you're this bad. But anytime you can beat the Steelers on primetime television, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you got to take that. You got to take that win and you got to enjoy it, especially with <laughs> everything that 2020 has already brought, not only to the Bengals, but to all of us. I think, I think you can just savor this one. Let's get to some of the – Stats. I know we go through some of these here. I'll try not to belabor the point, but some interesting stuff, some interesting numbers in, in a lot of different respects as it goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, as it goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and how this game ended up playing out. A lot of a lot of good. I know I see Rob Duncan. Ryan threw for 89 yards tonight. That was that's kind of why I was laughing at the beginning, because there's going to be some stats tonight. You go, how did the Bengals win this game? 
How do the Bengals win this game? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. But let's start with the. I'm going to go. This is from NFL.com. Their scores, uh, their score page here. This is. I'm going to start with this Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, uncharacteristic day from Ben Roethlisberger here on the right side of your screen. Twenty of thirty-eight. You know that's okay. And then 170 yards. Usually Big Ben, when he has 20 completions, you have less than 20, 10 yards per completion. That's kind of uncharacteristic for him. A touchdown and an interception. Not a great game from here. You, you see Benny Snell. He's got the 84 yards and a decent yards per carry. You know, some of these other guys, five yards per carry for it. But it was just a lot of when they when it came and first of all they held the Pittsburgh Steelers under 100 yards rushing that is a feat in itself by the Cincinnati Bengals defense because they never seem to do that they never seem to be able to do that so you got to enjoy that uh, because what the Bengals were doing at the end of the game a lot of running the football a lot of clock draining that sort of thing that's exactly what the Pittsburgh Steelers always do to the Cincinnati Bengals they run the ball they drain the clock they forced the Bengals to use their timeouts, all of that. And it was just really nice to see the script be flipped this week. Benny Snell, though, 84 yards and 18 carries. You got to like the overall lack of big plays in the running game. Snell had a couple of nice runs, but nothing that was backbreaking. Um, you know, and a lot of just a carry here, two carries there. Deontay Johnson, leading receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 59 yards on eight catches, a lot of short stuff. He did have a touchdown. And that was against Darius Phillips. So, um, you know, you got you to take that for what it was. Claypool, three catches, 54 yards on eight targets. This is, this is the thing, guys. Take a look at the catches by Pittsburgh receivers and take a look at the targets. Deontay Johnson, eight catches on 13 targets. Chase Claypool, three catches on eight targets. Snell, he had three catches on four targets. Usually that's pretty predictable for a running back there. Smith-Schuster, three catches on six targets. The very, very low percentage conversions of attempts to receptions, especially to their top three wide receivers on this team, Juju, Chase, and Deontay Johnson. Really, really low percentage. And uh, it's you got to credit, for sure, credit the Bengals' defense. They played inspired, inspired football tonight. But you also have to look at it and say, you know, what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers there? Ben Roethlisberger, two fumbles, lost one of them. Of course, the big one that I started the show off with, Juju Smith-Schuster. The <laughs> Von Bell just taking him to task on that. So, uh, you, you know, that was kind of the tale, along with, I mean, three, three turnovers, and the Bengals didn't commit any. So that was kind of the tale of the game here. And then, of course, you've got uh, some passes defended here, but, you know, no interceptions from the secondary players of Pittsburgh. And then, of course, you've got kind of just a lot of blah on defense. They had a couple of sacks. Uh, Watt, of course, and Stefan Tuitt had a sack. But, you know, it wasn't anything that fortunately felt like it was incredibly tide-turning in terms of the Bengals – the, the Bengals didn't really seem too too far out of control in this game. There's a point in, you know, kind of the third quarter that it started to get a little tenuous and then other parts in the second half where you kind of got worried. But for the most part, they were in the driver's seat of this game the entire time. And you got to like that. Here's the, here's the comical part. <laughs> Ryan Finley. And, 
you felt with some of the throws that Finley did make, you felt like his stat lines would have been it was it would be far superior to than what we're seeing here. Seven of 13, 89 yards and a touchdown. It felt like there were a couple of nice plays that he made. The one where he got hit by like three guys and got the ball off and converted a first down in the second half. That was a huge play. Um, you know, he had a very nice throw to AJ Green in the first half down the sideline. But then, you know, there was just a lot of there were two egregious miss, misses that he underthrew. One to Alex Erickson on a third down, and then you know uh, another one later in the game. And it just that's kind of when you started to go, oh boy, this is starting to get a little closer than it should be with those two misses. But overall, seven of 13, 89 yards and a touchdown. You go, I, I thought he threw for more than that. Well. It's because he did a little more with his legs. Ten attempts, and a lot of those were the, you know, the naked bootlegs or the RPOs, and ten attempts for four, 47 yards, and the big one, the long run for a touchdown, 23 yards. I kind of joked a little bit on Twitter. Was that the same play that we saw from Joe Burrow in Week One against the Chargers? Same, same yardage and very similar play to the left side, but a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit different for a variety of reasons. Gio Bernard, you know, 3.3 yards per carry, but got the 83 yards, a touchdown on the ground, another touchdown through the air. Nice day for him. Uh, and hopefully some of you played him in your fantasy leagues, especially as you're going to the playoffs here. Good day for him. So two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown for the Bengals offense uh, this week. So you got to you got to like what you're seeing there. And, you know, the Bengals had really been struggling running the football. And, you know, you see this, Samaj P. Ryan 3.5, Bernard 3.3, Finley 4.7, Travion Williams four yards of carry. So nothing incredibly spectacular, but they were able to drain clock. They were able to get some scores on the ground. And that's saying something against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. It's not normally something that you can say, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals. But then you <laughs> you look at the receiving numbers, A.J. Green, your leading receiver, two catches, 40 yards. You really would have liked to see him get that uh, team receiving crown, career leaders crown and touchdown receptions tonight on national television. Hopefully he gets that before year's end. T Higgins, three catches, 31 yards, a couple of nice plays for him. Still that a little bit of a disparity between targets, six and catches three. Um, but that was, I mean, again, just seven completions on the night, you know, I mean, that's, that's all, that's all that was there. So not a lot of plays through the air. Defense is really the story of the game for the Cincinnati Bengals. You see here two forced fumbles, uh, Von Bell and Carl Lawson, and then two recoveries here, uh, Josh Bynes, Jordan Evans. And then, my goodness, some of these guys in the secondary were just playing outstanding football. Mackenzie Alexander in particular, I would argue he could be the, the MVP of this game. An interception, uh, two passes defended, and he was just all over the place. Marcus Hunt had a tip late in the game. William Jackson, uh, you know, a couple of plays where you go, okay, not your greatest, but also they called a pass interference penalty late in the game that you kind of say maybe you don't call that one. I mean, he had his arm wrapped a little bit around Deontay Johnson, but they still called it just one arm and, uh, you know, made it a one – ultimately made it a one-score game. But overall, you know, a decent day from him. Uh, Darius Phillips, his usual roller coaster of a game, led up a touchdown but had three passes defended, one of which you could say was that defensive pass interference late in the game against Chase Claypool, but maybe that was a makeup call for the William Jackson one. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of give and take there. Uh, Sam Hubbard also had a, a pass deflection on the line. Jermaine Pratt had an interception go through his hands. Look, you know, we mentioned 
Ben had only one interception in this game, but there were at least two, maybe even three occasions where Cincinnati Bengals defenders had their hands on, on passes by Ben that could have been intercepted very easily could have had at least one, if not two or three more turnovers in this game. And uh, so a little upset about that, but Hey, I mean, this team was starved for turnover creation and they got three tonight. So you gotta, you gotta credit the defense and Lou Anarumo on that. Mackenzie Alexander, your uh, at least in terms of solo tackles, six, uh, your leader there, Von Bell seven, and that incredible one against Juju Smith Schuster that, Caused the fumble. Josh Bynes, he had nine. By the way, Josh Bynes had a great play late in the game just to diagnose this one play. They're, the Steelers tried to trick with an end around, and instead Bynes stayed put and ended up making a tackle for loss uh, on that play. So that was a very good play. Jesse Bates was active. I mentioned Darius Phillips, William Jackson, you know, a lot of good stuff from those guys. I'm going to share something else here in just a second. This is from ESPN.com. This is a little bit more team stats. Let's see. Pull this up for you here. You can see the first downs pretty close, 13, 13 to 12, 6 and 6 passing first downs, 7 and 5 rushing first downs. Um Third down efficiency, pretty ugly for both teams. Four of 16 by Pittsburgh, four of 14 by Cincinnati, uh, and one of two by Pittsburgh on fourth down. Um, total plays relatively even, 62 to 56. Pittsburgh had more. Total yards, not a lot of yards in this game. 244 to 230 for both teams there. You can see that. Total drives, both teams had four, uh, 14 total drives on the day. And then, of course, you had 3.9 yards per play and point one yards per play by teams uh, by both teams there the <laughs> passing yards 158 to, to 78 net passing yards um, is what it is like I mentioned with Ryan Finley's day uh, you know you see 20 of 38 7 of 13 on the pass attempts there you see the rushing yards that's the big that's a big key usually that is completely reverse when you're talking about the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals have 152 rushing yards to 86 rushing yards penalties. Bengals kept it at a minimum, two for 16, four of 30, and that was a little inconsistent by some of the referees tonight. I thought Mackenzie Alexander's taunting penalty was something that maybe you didn't want to call, in my opinion. You know, you, you look at some of the other ones. I mean, there was a, a potential taunting penalty after the Mackenzie Alexander call by Sutton, the cornerback of Pittsburgh, that was not called. I mentioned the William Jackson pass interference penalty. So, that, I mean, there's some stuff uh, in this, but, you know, I don't, I still don't think that for either team, I don't think penalties, obviously, with only six being called and accepted in this game. I don't think that that was the, the story relatively close time of possession Bengals win it by about four and a half minutes there or so four minutes or so um, 27 57 by the Steelers and 32 03 for the Bengals. So those are some of the, that's some of the tail of the tape there. And uh, yeah, Timmy, t thank you. WD 40 will fix that door squeaking. I'm not, not in my house. I'm not in my house. I'm, I'm, I watch the game elsewhere. So um, I'll, I'll get, I'll get some of that oil on the hinges there to stop the door squeaking, but appreciate the advice, Timmy. Thank you. Hey, um, I, I, this is a good, 
point here by Russ Behrman. Uh, oh, nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, actually, it was by Junior Bundu. Hope T. Boyd is good. Yeah, Tyler Boyd, um, you, you're probably looking at why, you know, why wasn't he on the stat line? Where is he at? Well, he left the game pretty early with a concussion, and hopefully that doesn't linger on. You know, he's had a pretty good year there, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what goes on there. I'm going to be here for a couple more minutes. And uh, look, I, I think where we need to kind of end this is what what does this mean for the Bengals coaching staff? What does this mean for them? Because a lot of fans have been calling for Zach Taylor's head. A lot of fans have been calling for assistant coaches' head and heads. And if Zach Taylor stays, it's kind of a – I don't know, a foregone conclusion or a lot of people believe that in order for him to stay, some of his assistant coaches need to go. Lou Anarumo potentially being one, Jim Turner potentially being another. The offensive line played pretty well tonight, given the fact that they had the their third string quarterback in. They were very hamstrung in terms of the play calling that they were able to execute. And, and what they were able to call out there based on who was under center. So you got to give credit there. And then you got to give massive credit to Lou Anarumo's unit. And I don't know, I don't know exactly what this means for the coaching staff going forward. I, I really felt going into this week and I said it on our podcast and everything. I really felt that if the Bengals embarrass themselves even with the myriad of injuries and everything, the Bengals had embarrassed themselves on primetime TV, and this was a blowout loss at the hands of the Steelers, one of their biggest division rivals. I really, really feel that – I really felt that Zach Taylor – he wouldn't have been fired, I don't think, right now, but I don't think he would have – I don't think he would have made it into 21 if the Bengals if, – if that's how tonight would have played out. But the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals came out and won this game, won it – relatively handily. I mean, 10-point win. They were in control throughout much of this game, thanks to turnovers and whatnot. Um, you know, we know this is a patient ownership group. I, I'm hesitant to say, you know, it saved his job. And he's, I mean, I, I'm not 100% on that, but this was a big feather in Zach Taylor's cap in terms of his argument to be kept as a Cincinnati Bengals head coach. That's not going to be music to a lot of people's ears. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily am, you know, celebrating that sentiment, but I feel like this, this was a game that meant a lot tonight in terms of 21 outlook. I feel like this, this game really said a lot about how this team is going to move forward. Are, are they responding to Zach Taylor? Are they still fighting pretty hard under his leadership? And I think, I think we saw quite a few positives tonight. In a, in a game that pretty much everybody expected them to lose, and myself included. So I, I, we're going to have to see exactly how other things play out, obviously, you know, if they get embarrassed by the Ravens at the end of the year and what, what happens next week against a, you know, pretty subpar Houston team. But I, I feel like this was a, a good step for Zach Taylor. And although he only has five wins to his name right now, the, the last, the, some of them have been towards the end of the, most of them have been towards the end of both seasons and have had a little luster behind them. You know, the Browns win late last year, this win here, the Tennessee win towards the middle of this year. I mean, these are wins that, I mean, 
for the small, small handful that Zach Taylor has as a head coach, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, you know, th these may hold some weight with Bengals ownership group. Do I completely agree with that? No, but I do. I do feel that this was an important win for, for Zach Taylor going forward, especially with this team. And, you know, I, I think this may prompt the Bengals ownership group to at least let him start 21 as the Bengals head coach, let him have one more draft class, hopefully get these players healthy that, you know, you've got no Jonah Williams, you've got no Joe Burrow, you've got no DJ reader. You've all of these big important players, Geno Atkins, that just have not, were not available tonight and have not been available throughout most of the season or a, a good chunk of the season. You know, I, I can just see the Bengals ownership group saying, you know, this is, we're going to give this guy another shot. We're going to give him one more shot. Um, whether you agree with that, whether I agree with that or not, I mean, those are, that's, that, it's kind of moot, but I, I can see that this could play very heavily into Zach Taylor's corner to be retained as the Bengals head coach going forward. What do you think? I'm trying to, trying to th oh, see Bry, Bry guy. I, I won't, I won't share, I won't share it, but he does. Uh, he's got a not safe for work disagreement. Um, this is interesting here. WWG, WGA, we beat two playoff teams. Sure. Uh, Tommy Pennington, biggest win for Taylor. Yeah. Um, Leo Sean, I agree with this bearing a lot of weight, this stat, 0-4 against the Ravens and Browns. Um, he needs to be fired. Well, uh, he's 0-3 against the Ravens, uh, and he's 1-3 against the Browns in the last two years, just to correct you there, but I understand the sentiment. Uh does it? Oh, here we go. Corey Griffin. Does this hurt us in the draft? This was a weird week, Corey, um, in terms of draft positioning, et cetera. You know, the Jets had that top pick and then all of a sudden they win. Now they fall to number two. Jacksonville is number one. Um, right now, the, I, I'd have to pull it up, but I'm pretty sure the Bengals stay put at number three right now. But what it does at three, 10 and one, what it does is basically if they win another game, there, there's a slew of like four, a handful of four win teams that are sitting right behind him. So if the Bengals end up going four, 10 and one, if they win next week against Houston or maybe at the end there and nobody else, it's kind of a, you know, if they win and other teams lose kind of almost a reverse playoff bracket scenario. Um, basically they have to, in order to stay at number three, they basically have to lose out and, the Jets and Jaguars have to basically lose out as well. Now, what this means for the Jets, if they stay at number two, that's that's kind of the discussion point for a lot of people. Do they get a quarterback at number two if they miss out on Trevor Lawrence? Do they, Or do they continue to try and build around Sam Darnold? I, you know, that's a question that people more tuned into the Jets can probably answer better than I, but I think there's wisdom in both approaches to rebuild around a new quarterback or, you know, tried to load up against uh, around Sam Darnold in order to rebuild that team. But for now, and of course, obviously everybody right now, when the Bengals are sitting top five, everybody has their eye on Panay Sewell. That's, that's 
who Bengals fans want now that they have their franchise quarterback that they got this year. That's who Bengals fans want this next year is Panay Sewell. So then you've got Jonah Williams, you got Panay Sewell, and you, you know, your offensive line that has been one of the weakest points of this roster, then obviously gets bolstered. Um, but for now, the Bengals, I believe, stay put at number three. It's these next couple of weeks that end up potentially altering things. If the Bengals continue to win or if they get another win and these other teams continue to lose, that then would um that that would alter the draft order there so um michael stevens who would be an experienced gm for the Bengals? there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of names out there that they could potentially use it's about will the Bengals ever bestow that title to somebody else not named mike brown that's all that's about and history tells us they will not they basically have a de facto GM in Duke Tobin, but they will not bestow that specific title of GM on him. Um, I, I mean, it's, I think it's becoming fairly obvious that this the shortcomings on this team, and the more we examine it, the more it gets brought to the limelight in terms of articles and whatnot. That I mean, there was a really, really great article by Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic. I recommend you read it. He basically just – Q and A'd, um, I think it was Randy Mueller and Lewis Riddick, the guy who called the game tonight, one of the guys who called the game tonight. Um, and Lewis Riddick is in line for a couple of GM jobs. He's been interviewed recently. So he asked them some he asked them some poignant questions about the Bengals and their organizational structure and whatnot. And they gave some great answers. I recommend you you read that article. Um, and uh, you know, those are those are two names. There are a lot of names the Bengals could bring in as a GM. It's just a matter of will they? And do you trust their hire, right? I mean, they just do, – do you trust who they're going to hire? Um, that's kind of what it comes down to. And uh, when they're – sometimes when you have too many voices in a room, whether it's football or a large business, a small business, what have you, when you have too many voices in a room, it gets things – it complicates things and it – complicates decisions and unfortunately you know sometimes not the best decisions are made sometimes when you don't have enough voices in the room people tend to listen to the wrong voice so there's a delicate line to walk there especially when you're talking about an nfl football team a family run nfl football team so you know the, the bottom line is the Bengals need to make some changes in their organizational structure who knows if they will and what, what that'll look like. They need to, you know, add to their sc scouting staff. They need to be able to get past this injury situation and especially to high picks to early, you know, early in their careers, that sort of thing. It is absolutely hampering this team in the fact of who they draft, whether it's the drafting guys that are currently hurt, like a Cedric Abuehi, or drafting a guy and they get hurt and they miss significant time right away. I mean, you can go back to Drake or Patrick that happened to um, Tyler Eifert. I mean, you can go all the way back. Darquez Denard, Cedric Abwehi, William Jackson. I mean, and it goes all the way up to this year, right? Jonah Williams, Joe Burrow. So they've got to figure out ways to remedy that because those are – and I don't think it's necessarily picking the wrong players. There are some instances of that. I think you could say Cedric Abwehi was an instance of picking the wrong player. Um, I mean, these other guys I mentioned, they had either Pro Bowl seasons or some nice seasons with the Bengals. 
I think the future is really bright for Jonah Williams and Joe Burrow, but they need to figure out a way to not bring these guys in and have to miss significant time immediately. Um, and, and these are things that they're going to need to address either this offseason or the next couple of offseasons. And it's just a matter of will they and do they have the desire to. And that's always kind of been the situation with the Brown family and the Cincinnati Bengals is, you know, it, it seems as if a lot of us on the outside seem to know or seem to think we have the answers to some of this. And it's just, you know, bolster the organization, bring in the internal staff to make yourselves comparable to other successful NFL franchises out there. And um, they say, no, we're good. We got it. And sometimes they prove us wrong. And sometimes they prove us right. So, but hey, look, let's enjoy this one. This is a this is a really big win. The Bengals have not beaten the Steelers since 2015, guys. They have not beaten the Steelers in a half decade. I mean, that's unheard of. And they play them twice, sometimes three times a year. And they they have not beat them since 2015. That's crazy. And now we talk about the primetime issues me especially we talk about the team in prime time as an issue we talk about their issues against quality opponents particularly those in the division and they got to win at home against one of the best teams in the AFC at least record wise i know some of the, some people would be disputing that based on their three game losing streak right now but i i, I think given everything that has transpired this year and the roster and the quarterback that the Bengals are trotting out here, you know, a lot of people felt that this was a snowball's chance in hell that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers even at home. So that we can, we can at least take solace in. We can enjoy this win. We'll see how the draft order plays out. We'll see what happens with the coaching staff. I do think this plays very well into Zach Taylor's coaching future with the team. That's not necessarily a hope of mine. I'm just saying that this that is probably the reality in which we are dealing. But we'll see what happens. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I know it's late for quite a few of you. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-17 to 17 on Monday Night Football. We've got a lot of different stuff coming up this week. Even though it is a holiday week, we've got a lot of different episodes and all kinds of things coming at you. So keep it to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast YouTube channel. Get all of the material that we're going to be putting forth. Have a great holiday. Hopefully you've been having some great holidays if you've been celebrating already so far this month. Have a great holiday coming up here as well as a great new year if we don't see you then. But enjoy this one. We'll talk to you soon.